Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a really cool software that helps you analyze your deals. And we're going to also talk about this neat little trick that our guest has used. Not a trick, but it is pretty cool. Uh, how to send a very small, send direct mail to a very small targeted list and get a crazy high response rate from it. So it's going to be a good episode. You don't want to miss it. So pay attention. First, I want to tell you guys, I appreciate you listening to the show. And if you like it, please leave a review in iTunes. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, maybe even if you listen to it, Stitcher or Google Play, whatever your favorite podcasting app is, and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it. Let us know you like the show. Let us know what you like and don't like, okay? Also, finally, I want to say this. Uh, if you go to flipmindmap.com, that is a mind map I put together that shows you how to wholesale a deal from beginning to end in like the simplest way possible. So I removed all the fluff. Basically, if you just had a pen and a pad of paper, like how to flip deals without spending a ton of money on marketing, if any, and just keeping it really simple and basic. So in this mind map, I give away my contracts, my checklist, my offer calculators, marketing pieces, scripts, contracts. Did I say that already? A bunch of good stuff. So it's a mind map that has videos that walk through each of the videos, the steps. Then there are transcripts of the videos. Everything is in the mind map. So if you want that, go to flipmindmap.com, F-L-I-P, flipmindmap.com. Also, you can text the word flip to 313131. So send a text to 313131 and put the word flip in the message and the system will respond back to you with that mind map. Cool? All right. So today's guest is Anton Ivanov, who is from... San Diego. Well, he's living in San Diego. Anton, where are you from? Uh, hi, Joe. Well, first, great to be on your podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Originally from Russia, actually. Yes. I was born in Moscow uh, in the late 80s and uh, grew up there all the way through high school. Um, and then eventually my family moved to California when I was a teenager. And um, I've lived uh, mostly in Southern California ever since. Nice. Russia's been in the news a lot lately, haven't they? <laughs> uh, not in the best light, I may add. Uh, they they definitely has. It's um, they just have a way to uh, stir trouble. I guess yeah. put it in a nice way. <laughs> well, this isn't. Uh, we're not going to talk about politics. I promise. Um, right. But I'd love to go there someday. I've wanted to go there for a long, long time. And um, do you ever go back and visit yourself? Do you still have family there? I do. I do have family, and uh, my wife, she's from the States, and we've been back there a few times with her. It's actually a really nice place to visit. Um, lots of history, kind of very different than, you know, a lot of the places in the States. So, you know, if you ever get a chance, I'd highly encourage you or, or any of your listeners yeah. to visit it. Let me, well, I want to ask you a question about this off topic um, real quick, because <laughs> I'm fascinated with you know, this region of the, of the world, it's sure. Russia is a huge country and, yeah. um, they have, it's a lot of, you know, really good people there. And sometimes politics on both sides, screw everything up for everybody, you know? Sure. But, um, 
I, I was watching a video the other day of Boris Yeltsin. Do you remember him? Uh-huh. <laughs> I do remember. He, yeah. he was the first president after the Soviet Union collapsed. Yes. And he came to Texas. I, I forget which state or which city uh-huh. in Texas. And he was um, walking through some grocery stores. This was, I think, 1990. Right. Um, and he was walking inside some grocery stores and was totally blown away, I believe, on uh, how much – how big our grocery stores were, how much food we had in them, and the the wide variety of food that we had. Do you remember that, or was that before before I, your time? I, I know. I, well, I was I was real little, but I almost want to say I've seen the exact video that that you're talking about, kind of later. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was you know the '90s in Russia, right after the Soviet Union collapsed, were a very kind of tough, challenging time. Yes. You know, as far as kind of the stores and why he was so taken aback by the variety I, th- I think that's just was such a big contrast to russia which was a very kind of closed off country uh much smaller economy a lot of the produce was sourced locally or from within so definitely was not you know up to the variety standards that you see in america but how is it today what are the grocery stores like today in russia it's it's definitely got more kind of westernized and better over the years, especially as we went to the 2000s and I've kind of, you know, traveled there every, every few years. I'd say Moscow especially can be compared to pretty much any European or even American city. Nice. You know, the people are different, the language is different, but if you go to a store, you'll see, uh, you know, almost the same brands or at least the same types of products. So it's definitely not how it was in the 90s especially kind of in the larger cities like Moscow, St. Petersburg. So better economy, I think, overall country is uh, doing uh, at least a little bit better than 90s, but still a long way to go mm. on many fronts. Well, the, do you – and I <laughs> – boy, I wish I could ask you so many questions because I, I get fascinated by hearing different perspectives right. from people that live in different parts of the world. So maybe we can save that discussion for another time. Glad you're in the U.S. and uh, hopefully – the relationships between the United States and, the, and Russia get better. It's a fragile situation, and uh, it's kind of sad. I don't, I don't think all the um, the bickering back and forth is necessary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's kind of always been like that, so yeah. you can say at least I'm fairly used to it. But uh, <laughs> it would be great if it was better, absolutely. Uh, so I think, by the way, let me just say this too. If you all are listening to this, you know I've traveled a lot, and I've been to Prague, and I've been to Eastern Europe. Uh, many times, those of you listening to this, man, and you have this kind of inkling inside of you, like, man, I want to travel. I want to go see, uh, I want to go visit Russia. Or I want to go to Eastern Europe, man, just do it. And and sometimes I remember when I was like really freaked out and scared the first time we went to Prague in 1998. But man, after you're there, it's like, this is really cool. Like these people are nice, you know, um, now this is Prague, but every, every country is a little different, but Man, open your horizons. Like, don't be afraid to get out of your little bubble and go see the world. There's so much out there that that uh, they have to offer to us. Like, I remember going to Europe and and uh, realizing, kind of, you know, honestly being shocked. Like, wow, like people think differently than us, right? Like, we're not the the um how should i say it i just noticed there was a lot of american pride and arrogance and you know i'm proud to be an american don't get me wrong but like when you go visit other cultures it really kind of opens your eyes to be to humble like 
it, it, it's humbling. Like, wow, these people, uh, this is going to sound weird, but like, I, I realized as we were traveling, like, we're not the only country in the world that is free. Like we value freedom, you know, but I grew up as like in America thinking, oh, like America is the most, the only country, the best country in the world for freedom. Well, that's not exactly true. Right. Like freedom, like people in Russia are free, like people in Switzerland and, and Czech Republic and England and uh, Austria, they're free. Like maybe there's different degrees of freedom. So I don't know if that makes any sense or not. I just wanted to encourage y'all listening to this, uh, spread your wings and go out. Don't be afraid to jump out and go travel the world and go visit some, there's so many cool places out there and uh, don't believe the stereotypes. Is that fair to say Anton? Uh, I've traveled quite a lot and I can say you're pretty spot on. It's there's definitely so many cultures that are vastly different from the U S society with different values and, principles and it's very refreshing to kind of learn and meet other people and just get to know how they live yeah okay cool so this is the real estate investing mastery podcast Um, (laughs) that's right so you've been in southern california for a while what got you started and interested in real estate and when uh sure so uh moved uh, here when i was a teenager again and actually uh after high school i joined the u.s navy Oh, wow. And I served as enlisted for six years. And kind of during that time, I started, uh, you know, looking at, okay, where I want to be after the military, because it wasn't going to be my full-time career as I saw it. And I started reading a lot of financial independence books and how to get a hold of your finances and invest. And I'd say that's the first time that real estate came on my horizon as kind of an alternative vehicle to to investing in stocks or bonds and so forth. So uh, I did my preliminary reading, if you would, spent a few years reading a bunch of books, bigger pockets, listening to podcasts, stuff like that. Then actually in uh, around 08, uh, 09, unfortunately, my parents passed away mm. uh, while I was still stationed in Japan with the Navy. And what ended up happening, they had a condo here in San Diego where they lived. And uh, you know, they ended up passing it over to me Yeah. Uh, when they passed. And that actually became my first, you know, ever property. So uh, I didn't buy it. So I kind of went backwards on that, so to speak. But, uh, you know, that became my first property. I thought briefly about selling it just because I was in Japan. Um, I didn't feel like I was prepared to own any real estate at the time. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a few friends, kind of other investors. They convinced me to keep it. And I was really glad I did. So that sort of became my first uh, out-of-state rental, if you would, uh, or more like out-of-country rental because I wasn't even living in the United States at the time. Uh, So I got some experience with property management, uh, you know, dealing with uh, kind of remote issues and just kind of got general experience of what owning a property is like. Now, unfortunately, the cash flow in that uh, house being in Southern California was very low, so it wasn't super encouraging. Uh, you know, I was um, in my younger years under the mentality, well, I buy two or three rental properties, you know, move to the Caribbean and uh, live off the passive income yeah. for the rest of my life. But that kind of opened my eyes to the idea of, well, you know, maybe if I'm using financing and, you know, what what are the realistic cash flows I can expect that the one or two rentals or even probably five are not going to be enough. So when I moved back from uh, the Navy and back from Japan and kind of settled in San Diego, I really set some goals for where I want to be with my real estate career. 
And I actually, you know, worked backwards from what my passive income or passive cash flow that I wanted and came up with the goal of having 50 units by the time I'm 40. Okay. So that was my very first goal. Uh, you know, I, uh, again, you know, I was a buy and hold investor and that was kind of what interested me. And I was specifically interested in real estate because of the passive cash flow uh, possibility when you, when you own rental properties. And that kind of started uh, the whole process. That was just about four years ago. And in the last four or five years, I went from owning just that one, uh, you know, condo to having 35 rental units uh, between San Diego, Atlanta, Birmingham, and more recently, Kansas City. Good for you. Wow. So it's, it's been quite a wild ride. Yeah. And, uh, you know, portfolio grew fairly quickly, I think, uh, you know, it was a little slower at first, and then in the last couple of years, I was able to really ramp up uh, and take advantage of kind of the snowball effect with having all the rental income compounded and increase my acquisition pace. So I'd say that's kind of the brief overview of how I got here. Okay. And so you're out there, you're buying these rentals with financing, right? Correct. So I... Um, you know, I can honestly say that I'm probably not the best at networking or putting together very creative deals. So I've actually never partnered up or, you know, did any kind of syndicates. And I didn't really use any so-called creative financing strategies. Uh, so all of my properties were bought in uh, more or less traditional, uh, you know, sales, some of MLS, some from private sellers. All of them were financed. I started with using conventional loans as much as I could, putting them either under my or my wife's name, kind of to increase our overall limit of potential, you know, 30-year loans we could get. Uh, eventually, we weren't able to get any more financing. You know, it's kind of, they kind of cap you at eight to 10 loans or look at your debt-to-income ratio too, too much. Um, and more recently, we switched to buying uh, multifamily units uh, with commercial financing. So I was able to establish relationships with some great commercial lenders here in California, and they also operate nationwide. And uh, we've been doing commercial loans, which, uh, you know, as you know, I'm sure um, are much easier to get if, if the property cash flows and kind of it's not tied to your personal income. Nice. You know, I was just looking at um, uh, Facebook for your name, and uh, I found a post from somebody from 2014. So this is four years ago. You had an article written about you on, uh, in finance.yahoo.com. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I try to kind of stay active. Uh, I've been kind of part of my, I'd say success with real estate has been, you know, because I've been financing the deals and kind of purchasing them myself without partners, I basically needed cash for, uh, almost every deal. Uh, you know, I purchased one property with a VA loan with a relatively low down payment, but anything else uh, required 20 to 30 percent down. So <clears throat> one of the things that I've done over the last few years is really focus on my personal income and my savings rate to allow me to save the down payment money faster. You know, I feel like a lot of investors that I meet struggle with that concept. And I think that's where the whole creative financing and zero money down movement really came about uh, because it's not easy to save, you know, 20, 30 percent for kind of a conventional loan. 
So one of the things I did, obviously, I had for the last, you know, as long as I can remember, I had a very high savings rate and really focused on saving 60 to 70 percent of my take home pay. That's kind of been a consistent thing that I employed no matter what my income was, uh, where I was in life. Um, I've always maintained a high savings rate. And in addition to that, I really focused on increasing my income through kind of my full time job and also doing various side businesses. Uh, startups like deal check for example and you know i actually went from being enlisted in the u.s navy earning probably around forty thousand a year roughly to transitioning to being a full-time software engineer with a you know well over six-figure salary in just a few years by continuing my education and looking for promotional opportunities so by focusing on a frugal lifestyle and really maximizing my income i was able to you know, really have that high, you know, amount of money saved for the down payments basically throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. So you're using leverage and and uh, basically OPM, other people's money, to buy assets, buy assets to generate cash flow. Absolutely. That's my main kind of motivation for investing in real estate. I am not necessarily looking at it as a primary source of income, uh, you know, uh, but instead as an investment uh, that specifically generates uh, consistent cash flow over time and uh, obviously also appreciates in value. Okay, cool, cool. So um, you were telling me recently that you were looking to buy more property and uh, being in San Diego, it's obviously hard to find cash flow deals in San Diego, right? But you wanted right. to, you were looking into um, some apartments or some multifamilies in Kansas City. And you did something pretty cool to get an amazing 20% response rate with some direct mail. Talk about what you did there. This is really cool. Sure. Um, so, you know, I'm sure as many of your listeners are aware, it's often hard to find good deals on MLS or, you know, other kind of readily available sources, especially in more crowded markets. So I've been focusing on Kansas City for the last about year and a half. I uh, really like that market, been there a few times, but I found it uh, more and more challenging to find good deals. You know, MLS was basically running dry. I was working with a few wholesalers that were sending me uh, deals every now and then, but just, uh, you know, probably spent about six, eight months looking constantly without without any success. So I decided to uh, look into direct uh, mail campaigns. Did some reading, some research, uh, actually listened to a few of your podcast episodes that kind of specifically dealt with that about a year ago. And kind of the only thing that I noticed that I didn't particularly like is a lot of these methods, uh, you know, or approaches, they kind of focused on a very massive approach. You know, they would send out tens of thousands uh, of mailers. You know, a lot of times they were kind of pre-typed or they used some sort of software to to, to type them up, sail them out, and then they just hope that, you know, they'll get a, a few percentage or maybe even like 0.5% response rate, something like that. And I really, you know, honestly, that didn't really stick well with me at the time. I, as a property owner myself, I probably get two or three of those letters a week, as I'm sure you do as well and, and other yeah. listeners. And frankly, I just throw them in the trash at this point. It's almost like I'm programmed to you know, read the first lines, like, I want to buy your house, you know, off it goes. So I wanted to see, well, can I do something differently to basically increase my conversion rate? So 
that kind of drove the, 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 the whole process is I really wanted to have a much higher conversion rate, but do a much smaller and more targeted campaign. So the first uh, kind of challenge for me was to figure out which areas or, or who was my target list, essentially. Um, I didn't opt to, you know, buy a list or kind of do some sort of really big mass mailing campaign. So what I did instead is I looked at Kansas City and, I, and I've been there a few times. So I knew very specific areas where I wanted to buy properties. Uh, you know, I isolated it basically down to two zip codes, two very, not even zip codes, like sub-developments that had uh, a lot of these uh, four to eight unit multifamily buildings all built around the same time that I really liked. I actually toured a couple of them on one of my visits there. You know, so I saw what the inside of was. I looked at the construction. So I had a very good idea of what these buildings were, where they were. And, you know, I actually wanted to own them. They, they you know, I ran some cash flow projections. They, they look great. I like the neighborhood. It basically fit all of my rental criteria that I have. So I narrowed down these two areas and then basically using Google Maps, uh, I compiled a list of about 80, you know, 85 specific addresses where these buildings were located. Mm -hmm. So and these neighborhoods, I've either visited them in person again and actually seen the building or they were adjacent to exactly where I've been personally and, uh, you know, seen the building. So this wasn't just me kind of throwing darts at the board. Uh, this was picking very specific buildings. There was about 80 to 85 total. So I took the addresses off of Google Maps. You know, if you actually just zoom in far enough and tap on any house that you see, they'll drop a pin and give you the address. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I found it's very accurate. So I put together a spreadsheet that had all of these addresses of the buildings. So did this all manually. You know, it, it took a little bit of time, uh, but, you know, I didn't mind it. Yeah. Next thing I did is I went to the local county's uh, tax assessor slash collector website. So every, you know, in case some of your listeners don't know, any county in the U.S. has a public website, as far as I'm aware, uh, where you can do an address search and it will bring up the latest tax bill that will also have the property owner's at least name and mailing information. Yeah. So, the, you know, that's readily available. All you have to do is do a quick Google search. So I did that and uh, you know, took some time to basically search for all of those addresses and wrote down the owner's name and owner's uh, mailing address. That's okay. that's all I could get. You know, there was no phone number listed, so that's all I had to work with. And <clears throat> then basically, so that was my list. That's how I compiled the list. And next came the actual offer letter writing. So what I did is I typed up a one-page letter. And I try to make it as personal as possible to each of these, you know, 80, 85 owners. I started with their name, you know, hi, Mike, hi, Joe. I introduced myself, uh, you know, listed my name, said that I was a serious investor. I knew the local market very well, and I owned several properties uh, nearby to where their property was located. And I followed that into basically presenting an offer to them, which was, you know, a purchase price that was definitely below market. But, you know, the way I phrased it, it kind of made it sound like a good deal. And in addition to offering a good price, I offered two specific conditions in each of these offers. One was uh, no agents. So no purchase, uh, sorry, no sellers, no buyers agents. So no commissions that they had to pay. Yeah. 
I was very comfortable doing this because I bought properties in that market before. I understood, you know, how their purchase contracts were written and I had great, great escrow companies that I was very comfortable using. So, you know, basically I had no, no problem writing my own purchase contract, sending it to them and then turning it over to escrow to handle the rest. So not saying that that's kind of a good idea for every single buyer out there. Obviously, if you're not very comfortable writing your own purchase contract, uh, then I wouldn't do this. But, you know, I wasn't that I felt made the offer stand out. So how and, did you uh, how did you calculate your offers with these properties? Did you base them on cap rates and, you know, what you expected the rents to be and all that? Yeah, I basically because the buildings were so similar, you know, basically we're talking about basically like two or three identical building types. I ran, uh, you know, I have a cash flow analysis. I actually use DealCheck, you know, the software that yeah, I developed yeah. to run the numbers for each of these building types. And uh, DealCheck actually within the software has an offer calculator that you can use what you said, reverse valuation analysis. You know, I typed in how much cash flow I want per month per unit, basically the cap rate, the cash on cash return. And that kind of gave me the offer, uh, the general offer price. And I compared that to recent sales in the area. Yeah. So I looked at some of the recent sales and just made sure that it was in line. And and it was, uh, you know, a little below, again, like I said, but not like outrageous. So I kind of used several different sources. Again, an offer calculator, looked at recent sales, and then probably, you know, built in a little safety margin in there of like 10, 20,000 just to be safe. And that was my basically offer price. Yeah. And yeah, so that was the price. Again, there was no agents. Uh, and the final condition I listed was there was as is condition. This was fairly risky on my part. But because I had a built in, you know, that 10, 20,000 safety margin in the price, as well as I've actually visited several of these buildings and had a very good idea about their condition. I felt that that was kind of an acceptable calculated risk. Uh, you know, the worst could have been the building is trashed on the inside. Uh, you know, I would have spent some money on cosmetic repairs, but I felt like I wouldn't expect any very serious issues with these buildings. So I put in as is conditions, so no maintenance contingency. And again, I would not recommend this to every investor, <clears throat> but I knew the buildings. You know, again, I've seen them on the inside or at least on the outside. I understood what I was buying, so I felt, and I also had a safety net, you know, both kind of my reserves and built into the purchase price where I felt like that was uh, acceptable in my case. Yeah, good, good. And yeah, and I think these two kind of no agents and as this condition really set me apart because again, my offer was not a cash offer. Uh, you know, if I was in a different situation where I was buying cash, I probably would have put that as the center point of my whole letter, you know, cash off or close in, you know, two weeks, something like that. But I was going to use financing. Now, I didn't put this in the letter intentionally, but I, but I didn't say that I was paying with cash either. So I basically just left that part out. But I did, you know, I, I was planning to buy these properties with financing right from the get go. So I felt like, you know, because I was buying with financing, I needed a little bit extra to make my offer stand out. So what did tell me again what you included in the actual letter itself? So started off with uh, my contact info in the top, their name, hi Joe. You know, brief intro about myself uh, that that I was a serious investor, familiar with the market. 
Uh, then there was a paragraph saying, I want to buy your property located at, and their exact address. Uh -huh. So it's a specific address of, you know, the person who I was writing to. Uh, then came my offer terms, the price, you know, those special conditions. Then I concluded it with, you know, basically listing my phone number, email, saying I'm ready to close ASAP, call me or email me. I hand signed each letter at the bottom. So the, the bulk was tied, but I hand signed each. And then at the top, I actually included a picture of their exact house that I was sending this to. And the way I got the pictures is from Google Maps Street View. Uh -huh. So if you, you know, if you go in Google Maps and you have that little yellow person at the bottom and you just drag, drop, drop them on the street, it will give you that kind of street view, first person view of the building. So actually, it was fairly quick. Actually, you know, I went to each building, took a screenshot, uh, you know, dropped it in the Word document and it kind of added nice formatting. So every letter had the owner's name, their specific address, the picture of their house. And then I hand signed each and I also wrote on the top by hand, you know, in big letter, uh, big numbers, the offer price and like underlined it at the top. So it stood out. So it's, I felt like, you know, that basically gave as much personalization with their name, address, picture of the house, you know, price and big numbers handwritten at the top as much as I could. And, you know, as an offside, I have a template that I saved. Uh, I'd be happy to share this with your listeners. So maybe we can upload this to your show notes yeah. uh, afterwards. And if they go to uh, realestateinvestingmastery.com, um, and just click on this latest episode, we can uh, definitely include this template on there. Yeah, let's do that. In fact, I'm going to right now, I'm going to create a link, R-E-I-M podcast, R-E-I-M podcast.com slash deal check. Okay. And if you go to REIM, for, that's for Real Estate Investing Mastery, podcast.com slash deal check, one word, deal check, then you'll get a link to this template. I think that's really cool. Let me write this down so I don't forget. And uh, sweet. All right. Now, um, let's talk deal check. Sure. Because deal check is really cool. I've actually been playing with it right now. I played with it uh, a week or two ago when we were talking last. And uh right. It's really amazing. I've seen and used other tools before that help kind of like their deal analysis software. Excuse me. Uh -huh. But the thing I really like about what you have here, it's simple and clean. And um one thing that and it's and it's it's based on a um it's not you don't have to have an iPad or an iPhone to use it. And right. uh you don't it it's 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 you it's just a website that you can go to and it's only 7 bucks a month. But Explain to this what this is and what your purpose for this. Why did you create this? Sure. So deal check is, uh, you know, simply put a property analysis tool. So from the get go, uh, you know, back in 2015, when I started this, I was looking for a clean, like you said, simple software, but at the same time, that was highly customizable that I could use to quickly analyze any rental property or flip or you know wholesale deal that I came across. I couldn't really find a good calculator or good software that I used. It was either outdated or clunky. So that's kind of where idea for building deal check is. So it's available as a uh, online tool at dealcheck 
dealcheck.io. Again, that's dealcheck.io. So you can use it in your browser, on your computer or laptop. Uh, We also have a mobile app for Android or iOS. So if you search for dealcheck, one word, on either the Apple Play Store and Google Play app, uh, it should come up there at the top. So uh, it's cloud-based, so all of your data gets synced. You know, you want to start an analysis maybe on your phone while driving around, type in some numbers, and then continue on your computer. All of your data will save to your account. So what this allows you to do basically is to, you know, start with uh, with any property type, single family, multifamily, commercial, single, you know, even analyze land uh, if you want to. You create this property, you can either enter the information manually, you know, type in the address and then start inputting your deal details like the purchase price after repair value, rehab budget, so forth. Uh, recently, we've actually added a feature to import the information directly from the MLS. So you can type in the address and just search MLS records and if it was found, it will import stuff like the price and all the square footage and bedrooms, bathrooms pictures uh, directly from there and after you do that and kind of customize your parameters like financing and you know how much you expect the rental income to be for a rental property or how much you expect the rehab budget to be for a flip it will give you basically a complete top to bottom analysis of the deal so for a rental property you will see things like uh, you know how how much are the closing cost going to be, what is the total cash needed for this particular deal, then it will analyze your cash flow, you know, your income, vacancy, all your operating expenses, give you your NOI cash flow, and follow that up with all of the return metrics that you're kind of familiar with, cap rate, cash on cash, ROI, IRR. Uh, for flip properties, it will do similar, but specifically for flips, it will show you a breakdown of all your rehab costs that you estimated, and then walk you through the sale, so how much you're going to sell it for, how much profit you're going to have after the sale, and what your ROI on the deal and kind of a projected annualized rate of return is. After you review that, we have some other cool features like the offer calculator that I actually mentioned earlier in the podcast. So. Uh, This is a tool that you can plug in the criteria that you want uh, from the deal. You know, let's say you want uh, this cap rate or this cash on cash return or this cash flow. And it will backwards calculate the maximum price that you can offer on this property to get those numbers. So this could be used to calculate your offer like I did on these properties and, you know, present that to the seller. Finally, we have a great feature that I, a lot of wholesalers like and, and you know, other investors is our PDF reports. So with one click, you can take all of the information for the property you input, pictures, maps, all the analysis details, and uh, create a very nicely formatted PDF, downloaded. Uh, you can add your logo, your company information, your contact info to it and send it, for example, to your buyer's list if you're a wholesaler. If you're another type of investor, you can send this to your partners, other investors, clients, lenders, you know, you name it. It kind of has all of the info that any investor would want to see from a property uh, in one place. Very easy to customize. So that's kind of the gist of it. Again, it's a cloud-based platform, so you can use it on any browser, mobile phone or tablet. And, uh, you know, our basic version is free to use forever. So I would, uh, you know, encourage you to go to dealcheck.io and create a free account and check it out.
This is really cool. So one of my favorite things to look at is cash on cash return for, you know, that goes back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, you know, Um, right. One of the things that Robert Kiyosaki talked about was like, anytime you can get a cash on cash return of 10 to 13%, I think is the number he used. That's a good deal, right? Like that means if you get financing and you put $10,000 down on the deal, if you get a 10% return on your money, that's your 10% return on your cash. That of 10%, you made what um, a thousand bucks, right? Your first right. year, which is really good. And that's factoring in vacancies, management, maintenance, repairs, capital, future capital expenditures, um, property management, all that stuff, right? So, absolutely. The cool thing about this, I was just playing with this as you were doing this, is you can calculate your offers. You put in some basic information and parameters about the property. And you can say, all right, so calculate an offer based on 12% cash on cash return. And it gives you the highest amount that you could offer. In this case, the deal I'm looking at here is $111,000. And so you know, all right, well, with this house, it's a three-bedroom that I'm looking at here, about 1,500 square foot. Um, in this area where I'm looking at, it'll rent for about twelve fifty a month. And um, I'm figuring in 8% vacancies. I'm figuring in for operating expenses – about two thousand a year in taxes, five hundred dollars a year in insurance, ten percent property management, eight percent maintenance, eight percent future capital expenditures, and um, you can figure in vacancy, uh, landscaping, and stuff like that. Well, anyway, here's the cool thing about this that you guys need to think about: this particular house that I was playing with is listed right now for sale on the MLS for um, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, I think, and. Uh, if I went and offered $111,000 on it, I would be making 12% cash on cash on my money if I financed it, put 20% down, 5% interest. Now, here's the thing. Some of you out there listening to this, you're, you, you're a realtor, right? And uh, you one of the best ways to get started in this business, if you're an agent, is to find buyers who are looking for good, solid, cash-flowing rental properties, Right investor buyers and sell them deals, sell them investor properties, right? This particular property, it's in an area in St. Louis called Florissant. It needs zero work. If you look at the pictures, it's like beautiful, right? This is uh, an investor's dream. It doesn't need any work. It's in a good, solid, blue-collar, middle-income neighborhood, good school district. Uh, This is an area where it's probably, you know, 25, 35% rentals, tenants, you know, and, and still a good solid 65, 75% homeowners, right? And it's got a two-car garage. It's a ranch. It's brick. It doesn't need any updating. This is, I think this house is probably built in the um, 70s. I'm just looking at it here. This is a great solid rental property that will be easy to fill. And uh, so here's my whole point in this. You stick in the numbers on to this deal check thing, you put your company, your realtor information that, you know, the company you work for, your phone number, your website and all that good stuff. And it'll, it'll spit out a really attractive, beautiful looking PDF report that shows the details on this property, right? And if you know you can get it for 111 grand, you could take this thing as and use it as a marketing piece and you could go out there and find and just send it to cash buyers, people who are buying properties in other markets and say, hey, listen, if you're looking for more deals, here is an example deal that I could give to you right now. Give me a call if you're interested. 
in, in talking to me. And I'm, I'm using this as a realtor because if you're in the business of finding properties for other people, that's brokering. You need a license to do that, right? But you'd be shocked. There's properties like this all over in various markets in the United States. St. Louis is a great market. Kansas City is a great market where you can find properties that are close to list price that still can cash flow if an investor comes in and gets financing and can still make great returns, cash on cash returns on their money. And you can use that to find buyers. And then how do you get paid? Well, you get paid as a buyer's agent, but you can also require that the buyer that you're working with pay you an additional commission on top of what you're getting from the seller. Whew. So I said all that because this is, and, and, and maybe you can shed some more light on that, Anton, like that you could use this deal check software as marketing to help you find buyers and make commissions from that. I think you've hit it uh, spot on, Joe. We have uh, quite a few realtors and, and agents who use this tool. I think one of the kind of great things about it, if, if you're an agent and you've never worked maybe with real estate investors, you know, a, lo- a lot of agents that I meet, they, they just don't know what an investor would be looking for. You know, they, they don't know what to list on an email to them or, or what metrics to include. And with deal check, we've kind of taken all the guesswork out of it because the report will have everything that a typical investor will look for. Uh, and you don't have to guess, you know, which metrics are more important to them because they're all there, uh, including, you know, 35-year projections into the future. So as long as you kind of fill in all the basic deal information up front, then, you know, it will, the report will contain all the information. You'll kind of have all your bases covered uh, when you work with investors. Mm-hmm. And these investors like these numbers, right? They like seeing the numbers. And uh, you can put your disclaimers in there like, hey, listen, you have to do your own due diligence. We're not promising anything. Right. But um, there, you'd be shocked. Yeah, a lot of you guys listening to this in California, and you're thinking, what on earth is he talking about? 12% cash on cash on your money. Like I'm talking about houses at asking price on the MLS right now that if you find an investor buyer that can get financing. So you could send marketing out to these investors that are buying from California that are buying in Memphis, let's say, or, or buying in Columbus, Ohio. And you can say, um, hey, listen, we, we have, we're the premier real estate investing company in the St. Louis area. And we find a lot of properties. I know I see here that you are an investor. You're buying homes here in, in Columbus. Here's an example property that we have. And check it out. If you like it, give me a call. By the way, here are three lenders that will lend on this deal right now. And here are three property management companies that we would recommend. We'd love to work with you. Give me a call. Boom. You can give one of these buyers a, a real property that doesn't need any work, that can get them 12 13% cash on cash on the money. And you're giving them the lenders and you're giving them the property managers. You're going to find, you're going to find buyers and these buyers are going to love working for you and with you because you're going to be their boots on the ground and you're giving them good solid rental properties that aren't in trashed neighborhoods that are going to give them a great return on their money. Cool. How does that sound? I love it. Sounds great to me, Joe. Makes me want to go do that. (laughs) That's what it does, you know. In fact, and I, I am a licensed. I'm with Keller Williams, and uh, 
I think next week or later this week, I'm not sure. My assistant, who's also a realtor, is hosting a little workshop, and I can't go to it because I've got, got some other commitments. But um, she's going to be talking to these agents about how to work with investors. And uh, there's a lot of opportunity right now if you are a realtor to bring deals like this that are on the MLS to potential buyers, investor buyers. All right. Anyway, cool software, man. I like this. You did a really good job. It looks very simple and clean. And I, I can't believe it's seven bucks. By the way, guys, I don't know if I get any kind of affiliate commissions from this. I don't think I do. Um, it's so cheap. I'm not even asking for it. But like, I'm recommending this because I just, I bought it. I, I paid for a year, an annual membership to this thing. And I highly recommend it. It just it looks really good. I've been playing with it. It's amazing. I appreciate it. Joe means a lot coming from you. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're humbled by all the feedback we've been receiving. And we have many more features uh, and updates planned for the coming months. I'm looking at it right now. This is so cool. Because like this one property in St. Louis right now, it's was listed for 120,000. Looking at the pictures here, this property is in great. It's got a huge backyard. Looks like brand new wood floors or at least refinished. All paint. It's been all painted. Um the kitchen looks brand new, new new appliances. This house needs zero work. And they're asking 120 for it. And uh this could be a great rental property for an investor. And uh this is St. Louis. And I know you can get, there's more properties like this all over St. Louis. There's more properties like this in Indianapolis, in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. You name it, you can find properties for investors right off the MLS right now. And I can tell you that it's, uh, you'll never get those kind of returns in California, especially Southern California. No. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, um, Anton, real quick, any advice you'd give to somebody who maybe likes this idea of what you're talking about, sending this targeted direct mail, you know, they want, they're looking for some long-term buy and hold plays. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? As far as direct marketing, um, obviously, you know, there were some kind of maybe unique uh, things that worked for me, like the as is condition um, and knowing the market very well. But I, I would challenge any kind of investor or wholesaler out there who is having a hard time finding deals, or maybe you've done some really big, uh, more traditional mass marketing campaigns to try something more targeted. Um, I think really the the high response rate that I've received was mostly due to the high personalization and, and the time I put in the letters. You know, there's a big difference between getting a handwritten you know, letter with your handwritten address and a stamp on it that you're probably going to open, then unrolling the letter and seeing a picture of your house and, you know, the purchase price. And, and that just kind of clicks for the for the buyer that maybe was reluctant to sell or maybe just uh, didn't know how, as opposed to, you know, getting one of those pre-typed uh, generic looking postcards or envelopes that is, is a lot of them probably don't even get open. So, I think if you know your market well, but if you know which properties you want in which neighborhoods, but are just having a hard time sourcing deals or maybe these mass marketing projects are not working out for you, I would try a much more targeted, you know, pick 50 properties, pick pick 100 properties and just, just send a nice personalized 
letter and feel free to use my template that we will upload after the show. Yeah. But as far as real estate investing in general, uh, one thing I always like to kind of point out to people that, you know, this isn't a get rich quick scheme. And even though you hear stories of people, you know, buying a lot of properties quickly, there's probably years and years of planning or kind of financial preparation that came into that. You know, in my case, I would say the primary factor in the growth of my portfolio has been a frugal lifestyle combined with kind of maximizing my income. Uh, and frankly, it's fairly simple. You know, that just allowed me to quickly save money for uh, new properties. And then it just kind of became a snowball effect where I was combining my personal savings with the cash flow from my, all of my properties, reinvesting all of that into buying more properties. And now I'm able to buy you know, several dozen properties a year instead uh -huh. of one or two when I first started out. So I guess that's kind of what I would impart on other listeners or, uh, you know, investors who are just afraid to pull the trigger is to start slow and kind of be prepared for, you know, the long haul. But if you're consistent with this approach, if you stick to it, uh, you know, you have goals that you work for, I think anybody can be successful in real estate, really, no matter where they came from. Very good. All right, so the main website is um, dealcheck.io, right? Dealcheck.io. That's correct. Yep. Uh, or again, you can search on the Apple Store or Google Play if you want to download the mobile app for your phone or tablet. Nice. All right, cool. And guys, again, if you want that template for the direct mail we were talking about, go to reimpodcast.com slash dealcheck. reimpodcast.com slash dealcheck. And we'll send you that little template that Anton is talking about for his direct mail. Great idea. Hey, thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Joe, really appreciate it again. Thank you for uh, having me here and uh, maybe looking forward to doing this again sometime in the future. All right, Anton. Take care.